This is episode 41. You're listening to the All Hazards Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes to give you exclusive access to emergency managers who've been on the front lines of some of the nation's most difficult challenges. Where we have candid conversations about the challenges facing all emergency managers, no matter how big or small the community. Here's your host, Sean Boyd. Another round of all hazards today, from active shooter to active aggressor. It wasn't a firearm, it was a knife. Whatever the name, training for a public attack is one of the important missions of the Cal OES Law Branch. Today we find out how Cal OES integrates with other agencies for training and exercises, and some of the complexities faced when planning to protect the public during real-world events. That and more, right now. Sitting in the broadcast booth today with me is Cal OES's one and only Law Branch Chief, Chief Mark Pazin. Mark, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Sean. Absolutely. This is one of those uh, topics that I think we had to bring you in. And today we're talking about uh, active shooter awareness, active shooter training, uh, those kinds of situations. Obviously, with a lot of the recent events that have happened, uh, it is more on the radar now than it I think ever was in the last few years. So tell me, first of all, um, when we talk about active shooters, what are we specifically talking about? What is the definition of an active shooter? It may sound obvious, but let's go ahead and spell it out. Well, obviously, it's a person that wishes to do ill will to as many persons uh, in a short amount of time as they can. Uh, we have evidenced, unfortunately, what happened in Florida, what happened in Las Vegas, what happened in California. And we can go ahead and attempt to profile these uh, aggressors, but suffice it to say, they are just uh, bent on death and destruction. Because of all these recent events, is this something now that has triggered, was this a trigger point, no pun intended, mm -hmm. for agencies like Cal OES to, to step up training, or is it just a coincidence, the fact that we have a lot more training going on now? I would submit to you that we have always done such. Uh, when I first got here in 2014, uh, we had two contract employees via Sacramento Sheriff's Office. Uh, they did One did large venue initiatives, and the other did the active shooter uh, portfolio. Uh, basically, what we have done now uh, has we have condensed this uh, large venue initiative uh, process and incorporated it into the active aggressor, active shooter concept. So even prior to <clears throat> excuse me my arrival in 2014, uh, there was a program in place uh, to be. Uh, quite candid, we've accelerated this uh, process. Uh, Director Gilarducci uh, is very adamant about that we get out in front of these the best that we can. But just like anything else, Sean, life is a day-to-day -day experience. And during certain times, uh, life kind of takes a uh, back seat to what's going on in and around the rest of the world until it rears its ugly head, mm -hmm. and then we have to pay attention even more. With that, given what has uh, occurred in not only in Florida, 
and uh, Las Vegas, even uh, Merced, my old, my where I used to be sheriff, uh, where the it wasn't a firearm, it was a knife. Mm. And the uh, UC student, for whatever reason, just went off the rails and tried to, uh, did attack some, thank goodness it wasn't uh, fatal stabbings, and was then sub- subsequently neutralized uh, by uh, UC police. So we are constantly uh, refining our role. We are constantly getting out there to all the agencies and ensure that uh, we are available either through the Cal State Sheriff's Association, uh, Cal Chiefs, uh, California Peace Officers Association. Those are the three major uh, players in the law enforcement industry. And uh, to be to be quite candid, the larger agencies can sustain themselves, but we're hoping to uh, plug those gaps with some of the smaller, uh, less than 25 personnel agencies that we could assist uh, where we can uh, via Cal OES and our Homeland Security component. We obviously, like you were saying, we're involved in a lot of uh, training exercises, uh, seminars, those kinds of things. We have a, a couple that are coming up here the next couple of weeks, basically. Um, tell me a little bit about the importance of these. Uh, I think we have one going on on the railroads, the, the rail lines, and then we also, I think there's one going on up at the raceway uh, in Sonoma. But tell me a, a little bit about what you can about these upcoming uh, trainings and exercises and seminars and why they're important? Well, not only do we uh, at some point take the lead in these training and these seminars, but we also participate. Uh, The one that you are speaking of, uh, myself and a couple assistant chiefs will be attending a seminar uh, complements of Amtrak. Obviously, that's a subsidized uh, federal rail system uh, that's going to be happening in the uh, South Bay. So what we try and do is get the best practices of what could confront us as as a uh, population. So what our role is, is the constant education of our personnel here at Cal OES try and get a basic template of the best practices from other agencies and other entities, homogenize these uh, concepts for um, other uh, law enforcement groups and or uh, uh, NGOs, non-governmental organizations that also have uh, uh, part of a public access. And so we just want to make sure that uh, we're on the Uh, very cutting edge of how to ensure a person's safety here in California. More with Mark Pazin coming right up, including one of the most difficult public spectacles to protect. For heaven's sakes, if that wasn't a target-rich environment, Mark will talk about the enormous task and the pressure surrounding that event and asking ourselves the tough questions. What did we miss? What dots did we not connect? why it's important to do that painful analysis. Up next, how in-depth do these trainings get? Uh, Without getting into our um, uh, law enforcement sensitive information, uh, I would submit to you that it gets very in-depth. We have to. We can no longer be so conceptual and abstract that uh, really anything goes. Who would have thought uh, over the past few months that persons would be renting boxcars and mowing people over uh, on uh, thoroughfares, roadways, sidewalks. So that adds a whole different uh, 
set of complexities to how we address these active aggressors. Same thing with uh, those with firearms, uh, persons coming onto campuses or getting uh, the high ground and shooting, uh, raining down bullets on people, unsuspecting uh, victims. So, quite frankly, uh, it, it's safe to say that everybody's very candid with each other. Uh, there's brainstorming of different scenarios that could be presented. I mean, you could go on and on. And I got to tell you, you would think these were made-for-TV scenarios where mm. you know script writers were behind uh, closed doors thinking up the these uh, scenarios. But unfortunately, those scenarios have been ter- turned into real-life uh, problems that we face. Well, that's a fact. And you cannot discount the fact that Potential assailants are getting more creative. Uh, they're thinking of different ways, and that means law enforcement has to do the same thing. Exactly. Unfortunately, uh, I've been in law enforcement going uh, uh, almost 40 years, and yeah, pains me to say that. <laughs> Time to retire, Chief. Oh, I know. Holy mackerel. <laughs> and so uh, we are constantly in a reactive mode in the law enforcement industry. And just when you think you have it figured out, then you face the uh, harsh reality that you have not figured it out because there are bad people out there that are just wired wrong, that wish to do harm for whatever reason. And then here's the other thing too, Sean, that we have to bifurcate. You have persons that are have religious tendencies that, uh, hence San Bern- what happened in San Bernardino County. And then you have another uh, group that are, again, as I mentioned, wired wrong and just want to kill people because they feel that they were somehow uh, affronted or have uh, issues. Mm-hmm. Retribution. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let, me, let me capitalize on that comment because not only is it training, but it's also, and this comes from Director Ghilarducci, that we have to be more collaborative. I mean, that word is used almost ad nauseum, but it's so apropos because you just have to. When we did Super Bowl 50 back in 2016, uh, at the time I thought it was a it was a heavy lift. I was on the executive steering committee. This was at Levi Stadium. This was at Levi Stadium, the 50th anniversary of the Super Bowl. For heaven's sakes, if that wasn't a target-rich environment that spanned three to four counties that took in not only uh, vehicle traffic but light rail buses, uh, it looked like a human anthill going from Santa Clara County through San Mateo County into San Francisco County along the Highway 101. Don't think for a second that we were just wringing our hands as far as, okay, have we addressed everything? Uh, We had uh, uh, waterways there in San Francisco. We had light rail coming in to Levi's. I mean, it stopped right there in front of the stadium. Wow. Uh, And then, obviously, we had uh, vehicle traffic, whether it was a car or large trucks. So we, I mean, I got to tell you, everybody just left their uh, patches on the table and got the job done. And I think that's the important part here, that no law enforcement agency, I don't care if it's federal, state, or local, 
can do it by themselves nope. anymore, and we have to share whatever information that we have. That planning for Levi Stadium must have uh, must have really taxed everybody. Oh man, it was. Yeah, I tell you what, <laughs> that the day. Well, that Sunday, I think it was on two seven sixteen was the uh, Super Bowl, uh, in, obviously in twenty sixteen, and everybody we got there at 0600, The, the director was there. Uh, we all had our placards and you know restricted areas. When that confetti fell upon the stadium, it was like a big relief that nothing happened, mm-hmm. and then we were just waiting. Uh, maybe another hour to let traffic get back on the, the the 280 and the 101. And the next morning, it was just like you could breathe again. Yeah, it was a whole year leading up to that. A lot of weight lifted off your shoulders. A yes. lot of people's shoulders. Right. And and I, and I feel for those persons that had to host it subsequently to uh, Super Bowl 50 because I know exactly what they went through. And in fact, I still get phone calls periodically from some of the. Uh, NFL security just to make sure that they are seeing what the new trends are because as you will know California nation state uh, one of the largest economies in the world uh, we see a lot of things and uh, everybody knows a lot of people and I'm willing to share whatever I know uh, with those folks to help other agencies uh, you know nationwide I oversee the uh, state threat assessment center And so we're constantly sharing information up and down the state. That's a very important component. Coming up, Mark talks about why it's important to ask the tough questions when looking into the mirror. What did we miss? What dots did we not connect? The answers may help prevent a tragedy and save lives. That plus what you can do in your own jurisdiction to improve homeland security for your community. The fact that you are sharing information and also training together, getting together with these other agencies, and the fact that Amtrak is is helping facilitate this training, it benefits them. But at the same time, the fact that you guys are all getting together and discussing things face-to-face, sharing information, this is, uh, I hate to say it, but in some ways, this is sort of new ground, and, and which obviously became apparent as being necessary after 9-11. 9-11 was one of those big things like, well, the feds knew this, but the, the local law enforcement didn't know anything about that. And had made, maybe they've been sharing information, maybe things could have been a little bit different. Am, you know, I, am I off base there? No. I, mean, I think that we have to seize as painful as sometimes it will be and probably has been, that we have to be very introspective about how we went uh, about our business. What did we miss? What dots did we not connect? How can we do a better job to ensure the public is safe? And sometimes these things um, uh, can be painful. I mean, I did, you know, 33 years at Merced Sheriff's Office, a couple things uh, that we had to educate ourselves on. Uh, to do things uh, do better. So now we've uh, in this in my role now, it's not only gone from a local but also a state and federal platform, in which we're all having to be connected, and we have to leave badges and shoulder patches on the table, 
and just talk and share. So is it safe to say then that there is a more open line of communication that you've recognized now as opposed to years past? I'm going to challenge that statement. I think what happens is, uh, you know, people get busy and, oh, I should have made the phone call. But now in this new techno environment that we are in, you can fire off an email to however many persons you want and get that out. Again, uh, the director is very adamant about sharing Mm -hmm. and also receiving and connecting the dots. We just don't want uh, a terrible scenario here in California. What is new on the horizon with regard to uh, active shooter, active aggressor, type of uh, scenarios and training and exercising? I would submit this to you that we continue to refine the uh, hide, uh, run, fight concept uh, when it comes to an active aggressor. Uh, I also believe this, that we've found that a lot of persons after the fact knew something. We have to get the word out that it's okay to uh, call in uh, to your local law enforcement, a 1-800 number. You may not be right, but at least let law enforcement have the chance to go ahead and vet whatever information you have. I know people are reticent. Uh, Believe me, I lived it over these uh, decades. People just don't want to get involved. Mm -hmm. Those days are gone, Sean. I mean, there is just a lot of anger out there with some people. You don't know what's going to trigger them and send them off into the deep end. We're talking right now. You know darn well that somebody is conspiring to do something bad, but those bad actors have told somebody else, and so we have to reverse engineer and ensure uh, anonymity to these persons that make the phone call. Uh, I think there was a very, very harsh lesson learned uh, in the latest shooting here in Florida where people did make calls and they went uh, unheeded and look what happened. Mm -hmm. We cannot have that here. Uh, We have been tasked at the law enforcement branch uh, to reach out uh, via our assistant chiefs, the other law enforcement agencies. Uh, The director takes his Homeland Security advisor role very seriously and well he should, hence uh, that trickles uh, over to us and we too are just as focused on getting the best training out there and also getting information and sharing it. Boy, this is a topic that unfortunately isn't going to go away. It's going to be around, um, I think, as long as we have bad actors. Yes. Looking back at some of the, the more recent trainings that you have had or situations, maybe going beyond uh, Levi's Stadium, what kind of information have you remembered or tucked away that you learned that you'd like to share with someone else? Again, I think this gets back to the basics. When you start to overanalyze, then you're second-guessing yourself. There's one thing that I've always, uh, the one takeaway is that you always have that sixth sense. Something's just not right here. Instincts. Instincts. Mm-hmm. And again, in my previous life in Merced County, I would do radio shows and interviews. And the same is 
for the here and now. You don't walk down an empty parking lot. Uh, you don't expose yourself late at night by maybe going to the store. If it can wait, just go ahead and wait. Same thing here. If you see a person uh, acting out, if you see a person or overhear uh, or read something on this, the new social media sites, I mean, you need to report it. And if you have, I know it pains people that they're going to maybe turn in a friend or an associate or maybe even a relative. It's got to be done. Even if it's to a non-governmental organization that you feel like you have to take some type of circuitous route to get to law enforcement, it has to be accomplished. Because Could be saving lives. Absolutely. I mean, uh, this cruise guy out of uh, Florida... And then uh, who was the uh, killer out of Vegas? I don't even want to mention his name. Right. But th- there were there were hints. There were there were breadcrumbs that led to this tragedy, and we just have to uh, seize that and get it to the proper authorities. So the message here that I think, from what I'm hearing, um, to other law enforcement uh, first responder. Uh, personnel who may be listening right now is to encourage folks in their jurisdiction to encourage the public to talk. Exactly. You know, it's interesting how these things develop. You know, back in uh, at the height of community-oriented policing, it was getting out of your car, making those connections with the public. It is the same now. Uh, I know law enforcement is taxed going from call to call, been there, done that. But if you have an opportunity just to get out, meet the store owner, uh, you know, we need to break down those barriers where more persons will talk to you over at a coffee shop uh, if they feel comfortable in speaking with you. Uh, when I was in detectives, in my again, in my previous life, you'd be surprised how many would just kind of shoulder tap me, hey, I uh, just want to let you know that so-and-so did this. And nine times out of ten, it was accurate. Mm. So let's take this template of community-oriented policing It's at its very basic core and just communicate with the public, regardless of, you know, where you're at, um, and make that connection. You just, it's like the um, suspicious activity reports that we do, and the uh, uh, TLO training, terrorism liaison training, where the we train the public safety uh, officers, not only law enforcement, but fire also, and some of the EMTs, uh, for the first responders, to maybe diagnose what they have seen if something doesn't seem right. It gets back to that sixth sense that we had mm-hmm. uh, discussed earlier. Are you aware of any instance where Intel here in California has helped prevent something? I don't mean to be rhetorical, but let's put it this way. You just never know what you've thwarted. And I'll leave you with this thought. There is no matrix for what you have accomplished by sharing information. All right, Chief. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. So if you want to know more about some of the topics we've just talked about today, go to oesnews.com and click on the podcast tab. There you'll find this episode and all of the 40 other episodes so far. Man, can't believe that, huh? And the show notes as well. That include photos, links, and additional information on these topics. Hey, special thanks to Chief Mark Pazin for his time. 
and everyone in our Office of Public Information. We have a great team here. And thanks to you for tuning in, or maybe I should say streaming. Yes, it is streaming these days, right? You're not on the radio. Although if you're playing it in your car, it could be, technically. Anyway, I'm Sean Boyd. Take care and be safe. You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links. And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook. And let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.